0: Welcome back to this week's episode of the Cogar Center Arts Roundup. You're listening with Nate Terracio. Back in the booth with me, we have a special guest who we'll be interviewing. So this week, we have none other than the Cogar Center for the Arts Assistant Director, Karen McGrady, joining us. Um, And we'll talk to her about her... uh, career in the arts and maybe briefly her career not in the arts um so uh karen thank you very much for joining us oh it's great to be here um so you have let's talk about you um you're you're a columbia south carolina native is that right yes and uh Have you always been in the uh, arts?
1: Yeah. When I was a kid, I did Columbia City Ballet. I did Miss Naomi's tap class at Calvert Brody. And I did town theater productions. Um, There was no trustice at that time. So, Um, yeah, school plays, things like that. So, yeah, from an early age, I was doing it. That's where I got my training. And I was lucky because I went to New York. um, My dance training was really good. I was prepared for it. And uh, how did you find yourself getting to New York? Well, I did two summers in New York, um, and two of them I took younger kids up. Now I was like, I don't know, 19, and I was the nanny for two other aspiring younger kids that wanted to go to ballet school, so that's how I got my free trip up. So I loosely ran herd on them (laughs) while I took classes, too. So that was good, so I had some introduction there. And then we had um, a guest teacher at Calvert-Brady who ran... A da- well, was part of a dance company in New York, a jazz dance company, and he got me a scholarship um, with his jazz school and with his jazz company. So I went up there to do that. Uh, it's a very short-lived company, so I segued into doing theater. So you, do you stay then after
0: you went up for that? Ex-
1: the second time, t- yeah, I did. Um, I had planned to stay. I hadn't planned for the, for the company to close quite that quickly. But, um, you know, that's what you learn to do is pivot and dodge when you're in theater because something's going to close sooner or later.
0: Now, did you think of yourself as a actress, as a
1: dancer, um, as both, as a triple threat? Nah, I was pretty much just a dancer. That was pro- It limited my career because I did not have much of a voice. And at the time I came in, they really were looking for people that could dance and sing because the economy of the theater had made it where you didn't have a dancing course and a singing course anymore. You had people that did both. So I had to do the shows where they really wanted da- dancers and the singing was not as important. So I would consider myself a single and a half threat. So <laughs> <laughs> got me by. Um,
0: so did you always have your eye on New York then? Did you think um, from an early age, uh, you know, this is what I want to do. I want to be a performer. I, I want to go to New York and, and try to be a performer in New York.
1: No, not really. Um, you know, I had done theater here, and it's when we got um, pretty much when we got the, the guest down who was running a company that made me think it was a possibility for me. So,
0: meaning uh, a guest artist at the dance company.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, Well, like Calvert Brody. He came in to teach classes for a year, and he was one that got me into, you know, their company in New York. But I really had not thought I'd gone, I started going to college, and um, I'd lasted a year, and then I, as my mother puts it, ran off to join the circus in New York. And, yeah, so I think it's when 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 he's sort of saying, well, you know, you really could do this, that it made me think I really could.
0: Now... One of the things w- we said that we would talk about is um, w- what does it take to be a performer these days? I, I feel like, uh, as you said, the economies of Broadway were changing then, and I feel like they're changing even more now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah. It. it it takes a real special person to make it in New York these days.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't even try now. It's it's so hard. It's you really had to be able to sing extremely well and dance extremely well and be a very good actor. And as we were saying, if you have some other like odd skill like juggling or ukulele, that's gonna help too.
0: Yes, it's it's funny how w- w- we've reached a point in the, in shows uh, where it's entertainment. Um, I, I feel like Broadway has become entertainment, sort of a capital E entertainment, mm-hmm. rather than, uh, like, let's go out to a show. It, it's it's the kind of thing where you, you people expect to be wowed and entertained, yeah. um, both f- technically speaking, but also from the point of view of, um, I like think, the performers. The performers have to have, like, a real pizzazz yeah. that... Um, you don't in that you don't get by from your local folks. Uh, you know, like when you go to the, the say, go to town theater, um, it's local performers, you, you get Broadway shows, right? So they're doing musicals mm-hmm. um, there. But you, that's with people who live here and they are not quadruple threats um, necessarily, um, but they're serviceable uh, amateur actors and performers and you go and the strength of the show carries it and, uh, and the strength of the fact that you maybe know some of the people either personally or through repeated uh, performances at the theater, you know, you come to know them as performers. And so there's an enjoyment that comes from saying, like, oh, that's somebody who lives in my community or that's somebody they've seen five or six times mm-hmm. in different shows. And that's a slightly different thing for them. But when you go to Broadway now in New York, I feel like it's it, it, people expect so much
1: yeah, it's crazy talent. I, I see some of the, the things on TV, like you think you can dance, things like that, and I, they're amazing. <laughs> you kind of go, where did that come from? They're doing like six or seven pirouettes, and three used to be good, and they're incredible stretch, and it's just amazing what they can do. Um, and they've had the luxury, too, on Broadway. That's all they do, if they're lucky, but um, you really hone your craft. you around really, really good people, and that is such a learning tool to be able to watch that and be around that. And just the constant auditioning and professional-level classes, and that's your entire focus, and it really does hone your skills to a great degree. And you have the chance to perform a lot. Um, Our local people, they're having to hold down a day job, and, you know, they can take classes sporadically, and it's harder. But then, on the other hand, some of our local people go on and they become those Broadway people. Everybody comes from somewhere, um, not many people in New York are born in New York City that are in theater. They're always from Kansas or Columbia or <laughs> something like that. So
0: yes, there, there's uh, there's local Columbia folks yeah. uh, currently on on Broadway. Yeah,
1: so you can go to Trusted and you might see that person on Broadway
0: so, you know, next season. Just, uh, just you just never know. Later. Yep. Um, so w- when you were there uh, performing, tell tell us about like your history with roles. Uh, what kinds of things you would do? Um, I, I think sometimes people who are not in the entertainment business um, you know, think of, oh, New York is Broadway. But as a performer, I'm, I'm assuming you do a lot more than just, like, the traditional Broadway shows.
1: Yeah, I did, because, you know, you got to eat. So <laughs> so that pushes into doing all sorts of unusual things. I did um, the Macy's Day Parade one year, and our float stopped the entire parade. It was memorable. Is that uh, because
0: the show was so good or because there was a malfunction?
1: Because they got stuck on a curb. So the entire parade backed up behind us. <laughs> it was wonderful. So it really was fun. You know, that kind of stuff is fun. I opened Yankee Stadium, this dance performance, and... Bizarre as it was, that was fun too. And um, you did industrials where you were going singing, dancing about a product in, like Las Vegas. It was usually some place with gambling, and they would bring all the corporate people in, and you do a show based around the product and introducing the new commercials. And right, so it, an
0: industrial is a play or musical, I guess mostly in that in the original era of industrials, a musical about a particular mm-hmm. product where you are entertaining the, uh, and I guess it's not even potential clients, it's entertaining the corporate uh, staff, mm-hmm. the, the people the who work yeah. who work for the corporation, and, and you're maybe introducing something new or in giving them some information about the product, mm-hmm. right? But at the same time, so you might be thinking about door hinges or toilets or bathtubs or... Um,
1: Cars, Coca-Cola, uh, I'm trying to think what else, Chrysler was one... Um, AT&T, companies like that, um, Bosch and Lam. I did thing for glasses one time in Chicago in midwinter. and <laughs> All sorts of products you can do. Yeah, it was to get people excited about the new product line they were going to be selling and to introduce them to the new jingles and the new sayings and those kinds of things. So, um, But, yeah, you did that and um, some stuff in movies occasionally. And, you know, you do extra work, too. Pick that up because that was day work. Right, so I know that today New York has
0: got a big TV film Mm -hmm. uh, you know there's a big base for TV and film there Um, was that always the case or has that been so when you were in New York on Broadway was there a lot of film work was there a lot of television being filmed in New York that you could go out for and and do those you know day rolls
1: I want to say not as much I mean I'm not up there now so it's hard to say but I would say not as much, um, as there is now. I, there's not as much, when I was there, there was definitely not as much theater as there is now. We went recently to see Beautiful, I guess it was like two years ago, Beautiful in New York, and we were talking about, we had never been in that theater, because when we were in New York, that side of Broadway wasn't open. Those theaters weren't open, so there wasn't enough product. Um, and now every theater is open, and if the show's not successful, it's out to put something else in that will be. Um, right,
0: it's, Sometimes the theater is putting out the show yeah. rather than the show closing on the theater because yeah. they realize that they're not, the theater's not going to make enough money mm-hmm. on their percentage uh, with this show that's not going to sell well.
1: Yeah, you can't be just okay successful. You've got to be really successful to run now. So it's changed that structure. There's a lot more employment, I think, for people. Um, and I know people that really have the chance to work pretty steadily. When we were there, it was unusual to... Um, to work that much. My husband was in Broadway, and he was in the top 85% of earners in actor's equity at the time, and he was doing okay, but <laughs> <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you wouldn't think that great. But the the thing was, everybody else was doing really poorly. So, uh, <laughs> right. It wasn't that he was doing that great. It was No, just that unfortunately, else was doing, we are not millionaires. but <laughs> Everyone else is doing very poorly. Yeah. So I, I think that from that perspective, it's been better, but I also think the competition may be more now because um, people are more aware of going to New York, and as I said, the talent is incredible. I don't know if people are just eating their Wheaties or whatever, but it's it's amazing what kids can do now. So do you have advice
0: for people who may want to sort of follow that dream that's instilled in them at their local dance class or their local you know after-school theater program or if they're doing productions at town or trustus or someplace, do you, do you have advice or, or thoughts or prayers for those people? <laughs> a lot of their, prayers. And, and their <laughs> desire to pursue a career in this crazy business?
1: Yeah, it's really hard. And, and, you know, I always tell people, if you can do anything else and be happy, you should not do theater because it's so hard and your chances of success are so small. Um, so I always say go as prepared as you can. Take as many dance lessons, singing lessons. Have your audition material ready Because training in New York is really expensive now, so the more prepared you are when you step out into that arena, the happier you're going to be. Have your headshots done. Um, Right, all of that stuff is cheaper here. Yes, yes, and you can get a good quality, and you can open your playbill and see what a headshot looks like, and you can find people that do them. And If you walk out with that, you may want to change it later, but you'll have the tools to get started with. Um, the other thing I would say is develop a second skill because you're going to be unemployed at some point. And if you have some secondary skill like web development or something that's going to pay you more money, um, you'll be able to survive better and you'll be able to hold out a little bit longer for the job that you really want and won't struggle as much. And you can pay for those very expensive lessons you're going to have to take. Um, so yeah, I would say sing, dance, act as much as you can, get as much local production experience as you can, um, have those tools ready before you step out into that bigger
0: world and then somehow you have to develop that thick skin to go uh-huh. audition and fail over and over and over yeah. I, I also think that maybe people um, feel like when they fail at an audition that it, it, it's something personal about them but they they might be casting two people and they might see 500 mm-hmm. i mean you and everyone else practically failed like it's not a personal thing it, it's it's sort of a numbers game and if you're not going to hundreds of auditions chances are you're not going to float to the top absolutely two um, because just by sheer luck y- y- there's so many people uh, auditioning for such a small part you know small number of parts
1: yeah there were literally 300 it was a, a regular thing to have 350 women auditioning for a production show, a Broadway production show um, and that was people that were in the union non-union that was another matter. Um, so the competition and then you were was fierce.
0: For like what, ten or twelve?
1: Yeah, roles. sometimes less. And you spend days that do callbacks and callbacks. Sometimes you go an entire week doing callbacks and come up dry at the end of it. Because you got down to that last. I literally went to one audition, I really wanted it. But because Michael Kidd was doing Seven Brides for Seven Brothers in Broadway, and I loved that movie, and I really wanted to do it. I worked really hard in that audition. And they were like down to like the last, I think it was 14 people, and they literally needed seven girls. And honest to God, they said, okay, you guys line up in the middle of the room, no direction. So we all line up in the middle of the room, and they said, okay, this half stay, that half go. And I was in the wrong half. No! <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> So sometimes it's random. Sometimes it is very personal. It's like, we just don't like you. <laughs> but either way, it, it, you,
0: you can't let it affect you. You just have to keep coming back.
1: Absolutely. And I've seen people get crushed by it. <laughs> they just they just can't take it. Um, it does give you an amazingly uh, thick skin and resilience. If you survive it, you kind of go, eh, you don't like me, somebody else will. But um, it takes a while to get to that point, I think. Um, but it's a good survival skill later in life, too.
0: Yes. Uh, I imagine that being rejected from an audition is sort of no different than failing to get a job absolutely right? I mean you're just you're out trying to get a job uh, in the entertainment business they just ask you to do different things yeah um, I a friend of mine who is f- not even close to being in the uh, entertainment business um, he is a software engineer um, and he once said something like uh, w- what are real interviews like? I've only ever interviewed for software jobs. And I was like, what does that mean? And he said, well, in my interviews, they do things like, say, um, can you calculate the circumference of the Earth based on this information? And they want you to get up on a whiteboard and do the math in front of them. And I'm like, oh, I see. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I've never been in (laughs) in a job interview like that. No. But similarly, you know, he's never been asked to like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Repeat instead of dance steps in front of a room full of people, <laughs> and that is just a different form of a job interview.
1: Yeah, it's true, and um, yeah, you just you learn that a life is going to go on. There's going to be another day, and you also learn that humiliation will not kill you. <laughs> you can survive that too. So, but it's rough. It's in a lot of people. It's it gets them. It really kills them. And I, I know very few people that are really truly happy in a performing career because it's always like that job they didn't get or. There's always something shinier and nicer that they didn't get that they want. And there's always someone that got something that they wanted. And it's a tough job to be happy in.
0: And then I also know people who, and I'm, I'm bringing this up knowing that uh, your husband was in Cats for a number of years. but uh, So he's one of the people I know that uh, find themselves getting a role that people would sell their grandmother to get and then – having to make the tough decision that they're going to quit that role because if they have to sing that song one more time mm-hmm. they will strangle someone um, uh, it, it's a it's a hard thing to have yeah. to like give up make the decision to freely give up a job. Um, it's not that the show is closing it's that <laughs> you're going to quit at the end of this contract and not come back. Um, like what is that like? Uh, I'm assuming you were a part of the decision making on that. A friend of mine, Mm -hmm. who I toured with, you know, doing some Shakespeare, landed uh, in the road company of Lion King, Mm -hmm. and you know, and five plus years later of of being Zazu, he's like, I've got to do something different. Like it's just, it's the same thing, eight shows a week for five years,
1: (laughs) on the road the entire time, on the road the entire
0: time. You know, so he's making good money and everything's going well. And he, uh, you know, his boyfriend is on the road with him and, oh, you know, but, you know, at some point it's like y- you're traveling and you have to make the tough decision. And, and if with him, I guess the good news was is that when you leave on good terms, then you get invited back to fill in. So you you have that to fall back on um, when you sort of say to them, like, I'm going to sign on for one more year, but this is my last year. So we need to. Like I you know, and then so he I think since he stopped being on the tour he has filled in on Broadway for six weeks and he's gone back and filled in, you know, various places on a tour and you know, so it's not like you're completely out, but I and I, I saw him in a commercial once, but I don't know that he's done anything like he hasn't got the sort of replacement gig for that. He hasn't landed the next Broadway part in a, you know, in a in a show, to my knowledge, unless it's happened recently. Um so, you know, I don't know if you're then kicking yourself that like, oh, I shouldn't have given it up. But at some point in time,
1: you have to try something new. Yeah, it's a career killer to stay in something for... For too long. Too long. Yeah, it's a it's a brief career if you're a singer, dancer, actor. You know, 40, you're kind of moving on. So <laughs> you need to think of something else to do. Or you become a choreographer or a director or something like that. Um, but, and it's a, it's a new phenomenon because it used to be that musicals didn't run like they do now. It's... You know, a year it was done, but then we started getting Chorus Line and Phantom and Cats, and they they run forever. You know, 10 years is not unheard of, and that that's new. And uh, my husband, when he first started out, he used to have this rule that he would stay in a show for six months and move on, and he held to that. But then, um, you know, you get mm-hmm. older, and you have this in-town gig, and you're married, you have a family, and going on the road is maybe not so attractive. And it's it is. It's hard to give up a sure thing. Um, but he wasn't long enough. He was ready to make a career transition, so it really wasn't a terrible decision for him. He, he was looking at that to point. retire. From he was the yes, business. retire entirely, but that didn't happen. So um, yes, so he was ready to leave, and he, in some ways, had it better because he was an understudy and he covered six roles. So he wasn't doing the same thing night after night after night. So which probably saved his body and his sanity his a sanity. little bit. And he was amazingly calm. He could go out and do a different role every day and handle it and not freak out. So my head is off to him for that one. I would have freaked out, but <laughs> he was very cool about it. But, yeah, um, for him it wasn't hard. But, yeah, for a young person like your friend who's been out for five years, that is hard to give up that money. Um, and, you know, I'd hear people complaining, about, "Ah, oh, I'm in the show, and I've been in the show for two years, and I'm really tired. And I'd be thinking, oh, my God, I should be so lucky. Um, yeah, so. The grass is always greener in some it ways. It is. It is, Yeah.
0: So did you have a plan for post, uh, you know, for your retirement years? Um, Because, (laughs) you know, my stepsister danced as a professional ballerina for for a while, you know, from 18 to 30. Yeah. Right? And then you start to become, I mean, particularly in ballet, you can become too old to dance, you know, pretty fast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, When you're not getting the sort of main roles that help you protect your body when you're doing the, like, heavy work of being, you know, um, the filling in parts and having to do all of those extra rehearsals. And, you know, so she was in the chorus and, and did a lot of, and I, I think she managed to get out of it w- without ruining herself physically, but there comes a point much earlier in that kind of career mm-hmm. than it, that you find in a normal career. Suddenly you're having a transition. Um, were you aware of this when you were a performer? Like, I know I need to have a, like an exit strategy to be able yeah. to go out and do something post this Very career? much so.
1: I mean, I knew I wasn't didn't have the talent to be a choreographer, and I didn't want to be a teacher. Um, so I was very well aware of it. And we had in Actors' Equity is the, is the union for – Broadway for Senior Dancer Actors and they had a program called Career Transitions for Dancers and it was free and it was career advice It was they would provide you with some money to go back to school, you know grants things like that so um, they had a career counselor so I went through that program they were very helpful.
0: I think my my stepsister um, did a Pilates training out of like that program Yeah,
1: it's great. It's um, a really nice service So
0: then because she was doing Pilates in order to keep like her career and you know going Mm -hmm. and then realized that it would really helped her avoid injury and and then so seemed like a natural transition um to go out of the one world into another that that were so closely tied together in her mind and you know um so i guess you is that what people normally do they they take it because it doesn't offer you like the money to go back to college and become like a chemist
1: well, I got, well, I I don't know. I I got paid my last two years of college through them. Oh, that's that's great. Yeah, but, I mean, I went to City University of New York, which was um, lower priced, and yep. they they literally it was very no frills, and they filed like two thousands into an auditorium they said okay we have three advisors there are two thousand of you don't come to us unless you really have a problem <laughs> we don't have time so um it was the new york school of life so yeah so got through that but it was cheap and you know had some really good courses and i put together my own major because i had decided i would probably do better in arts management as opposed to any kind of a teaching um related career and uh, that was my plan it was a good plan for new york because there was a lot of opportunity, but we left New York soon after I finished my degree and moved back to Columbia, and we had some commitments here that drove that decision, but um, when I got here, there was just not a lot of opportunity for that kind of degree. (laughs) So I sort of put it on hold a little bit, and, you know, you do what you have to do. And so, um, you know, I worked at the State Museum of Public Relations for a while, and then I went to public health and at USC's public health and did some development there. And then I became a project manager for an obesity research center in my convoluted path, and ended up at the cover center. (laughs) Using your college degree. There you have it. Yeah, finally. You never knew. Um, So, yeah, you have plans, but they always say, you know, God lasts while you make plans, and life happens, and that is kind of the case lots of times. Uh, But, yeah. So that was my path. Did your sister actually become a Pilates instructor?
0: She did. She taught Pilates for a while, and now um, she and her husband run a winery.
1: Well, see? There you go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, who knows where life will take you.
1: And I love Pilates training. It's great. I mean, she was really smart. I did it for a while, and I was never stronger. It was an amazing kind of thing without much effort, really. So, yeah, kudos for her. I guess it keeps her in good shape picking up the wine casks.
0: Yeah. Um, so, uh, just b- before we abandon uh, the talk about New York, w- what uh, what was like your favorite? Uh, do you have a favorite show that you worked on while you were in New York?
1: Yeah, I actually do. Um, I did this Gershwin Gala at the Brooklyn Academy of Music. They had recently found some undiscovered Gershwin music, and Michael Tilson Thomas was the musical director, and Patricia Birch was the choreographer. And it was a re- it was like three hours long, and it was um, it was like a review, and they had brought in a bunch of people. But you know, you just want to stand, and I did during rehearsal. I just stood in the wings and watched because it was Brishnikov, it was um, Rosemary Clooney, it was Greg Burge, it was Cheetah Rivera, um, Leonard Bernstein came out and played the piano. It was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. <laughs> so it was really fun. Um, and, Petty, and Patty Birch was interesting to work with. She had, done, you know, done Greece, and so that was kind of her claim to fame. And she had a real organic way of working, which is kind of like do some steps and let me see what I like. <laughs> so that was sort of novel. But um, yeah, and Tommy Toon and Drew Barrymore did a number together. And I'm trying to think who else. Um, Marie McGovern sang at it. It was just this like person after person after person that were. They were really at the top of their—and then you had Christopher Walken sing, which wasn't so good, but he did a, he a nice dance number, so he deemed himself there. But it was people at kind of the top of their craft, and you got to watch it.
0: That, how did you land that? Um,
1: how did I land that? Because
0: I often find
1: that once you're—
0: when, <laughs> Once you're in New York uh, and you meet people, that you yeah. usually get things because of who you know— um, you know, you either know somebody, or they see on your resume, oh, so and so. that's they're a great friend true. of mine, and you worked on a show of theirs. Mm-hmm. So then there's a click that happens. They're like, well, you know, that guy's real tough to work with. So if she managed to work for him, then she must have some. You know, so th- like yeah. Even if th- there's not a personal connection between you and the person, there's often a connection somehow on the page or. So I was just curious if, you know, you got recommended for it or if you just, it was, was a, just a blind audition again. Well, it was
1: a blind audition, but um, the other choreographer, they, they brought in to choreograph this Gershwin piece, and and that was Funk's. we were actually dancing with Brishnikov, and he was really a gracious man. He was wonderful to work with and great to watch. But... Um, the guy that was doing that particular piece I had worked for before at Good in Connecticut was a little theater up there. And so he knew me. Um so I think that was probably in my favor. But you're absolutely correct. If you know people, it's just like any other you know, job that you apply for. If you know someone, they're much more comfortable hiring you because it's the devil you know versus the devil you don't. So, um yeah, so that one I had a little bit of an in, I think. But I did I worked with Larry Fuller and he choreographed Um, Sweeney Todd and Evita and Merrily We Roll Along, a couple of other things and he was that connection for me. He put me in a lot of things um, and they were just like the Tonys one year, they didn't have enough dancer. They didn't have enough musicals. It all closed that year. I think it was like one musical left standing. So they hired dancers and did musical numbers from years past. And so he hired me to do that and some industrial stuff in a TV special with Placido Domingo. And so he was a nice connection. He liked me and would just you know, I was in no trouble and I would work hard and be good. So um, yeah, so that definitely helps. Yeah. And Jack, when he got in Cats, the Man that hired him had known him from Chorus Line. He said, Do you want this job? And Jack's like, Well, yeah. And (laughs) 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 there you had, there goes 11 years of your life. But um, yeah, so yeah, it definitely helps. But I think that's always true.
0: So one of the things you wisely said is you should have a second skill um, when you make a transition to someplace like New York. Uh, so that you can eat while you're waiting for that big break mm, to happen. Yeah. Uh, did you have a particular second skill in your back pocket or what did, what did you do mm. um, You know, in the time between uh, being hired as a, Performer.
1: Well, oddly enough, I didn't exactly have it because I was like 18 when I went to New York, and I, you know, you just don't have time to develop a lot of extra skills at that point in your life. I hadn't, so, um, and I was a terrible waitress. But I fell into this lady that was doing, fa- well, a guy that was doing fashion shows at that point. And he would stage them, and he did a lot of really big people. It was Donna Karen and Calvin Klein and all those kind of guys, and he liked hard dancers because they could grasp patterns really quickly and. At that point, fashion shows were very elaborate, and you would have all these intersecting patterns and people going from different directions, so a lot more complicated than it became later on when models got super expensive. So I started working for him and worked for him for a couple of years, and there was always something going on. Even when it wasn't the season, he would have like some extra, like a Bloomingdale's special event or something like that. And, um so I worked for him, and then he passed away, and his company was split up between two people. And Switzerland person that I am, I worked for both of them. So, um, so yeah. So I, you know, it's kind of doubled my my work in some ways. But I did, I don't know. I mean, hundreds of those fashion shows, and that but really helped.
0: Not as a model. Oh but no. As no. A, uh, as like the. Backstage. But like
1: Backstage m- person, m- yeah. it's. It, what does that
0: mean, backstage person at a fashion? <laughs> Paint us a picture.
1: Paint us a picture is like you just had to be really um, not take offense easily because uh, people are not always as gracious as they should be or pay attention as much as so they was should. was sort of like model wrangling? It was model sure, wrangling. That's ma- a good term.
0: Make sure they, they are wearing the thing they're supposed to be mm-hmm. wearing and standing in the right place at the right time.
1: And I was on headsets, yes, yeah, so because I had a little voice, so it was, I was not a good model caller you know going cynthia cynthia where's cynthia and cynthia generally would not answer you but um yeah so i'd be on headsets with my bosses out front she'd be calling for girls because you wanted to keep your pace even Mm -hmm. the worst thing to have is an empty stage with nobody on it so um but sometimes you had an order you had a plan but then cynthia couldn't get her shoes from polly who had worn the three numbers earlier and the switch was not going well or whatever and So then you'd have to get out of sequence and go, okay, I've got got a blue dress and um, pink pants. What do you want? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So you'd be switching kind of on the fly, which is a little bit stressful, and it was like a heart attack. But um, so I would do that. That was day of, and it was organization before as far as like – Tagging racks would make sense for the dressers when they looked at the rack to kind of go what went with what and what order it should be in. It was decided. Usually designers would pick the models they wanted in what outfits. Um, I worked for Oscar de la Renta a little differently because he would bring us in like three weeks prior, and usually it would just be me for a couple of weeks. And it was just keeping notes on outfits because it, it would mutate. It would start out with these shoes and switch to those shoes and then change to those stockings and those earrings, and you just had to keep track of it all. Um, and kind of keep the chaos under control. So when you went to make your charts as to what we were going to wear, you'd put down the accurate thing. So and that was that was really fascinating because he was, you know, a wonderful designer. And but it was watching that process of like adding this, taking away that. And we brought in um, this guy once, and he was kind of wild, but he was putting cowboy boots with these like you know very streamlined, beautiful, elegant dresses, and it it made it a whole new look. Um, So it was interesting to see that and see how you just change something and really change it up. They did one fashion show, and they hired this woman who was a big print model. But she was short, kind of stocky, bright red hair, but she was kind of the it thing that year in print. And they hired her to do runway, and she walked like a truck driver. She was just stomped down the runway and looked awful. But um, they put her in midway through the show, and we were watching the video of the show later. And, you know, she comes out and walks out in this gown, and she just it's like a truck driver in a ball gown. And everybody started laughing that was watching. And I was—I turned to the guy that cast said, why did why did you cast her? I don't get it. And he goes, well, okay, fashion shows, 20, 30 minutes. And you're going, pretty girl, pretty dress, pretty girl, pretty dress. And you go, whoa, what's that? <laughs> and it wakes you up. <laughs> so it was like the uh,
0: comic relief. It was, it like was
1: yes. And it brought attention to that dress. And it really, by the "Well, you could hear it in the audience that so they kind of perked up and were going, oh, wow, now that's different. And, yeah, so – you had to admire that process. I mean, people that are good at whatever they do, even if it's like taking off wallpaper, you talk to them long enough and you're going to find something interesting they're doing about it. People with a passion. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was, you know, like I said, an interesting experience.
0: So you were basically taking a skill, I guess, that you learned through the entertainment business, the sort of stage managing, mm-hmm. um, the idea that you... That a show is happening live in front of an audience, be it a Broadway musical or a fashion show, uh, and taking the skill you, I guess, learned of not panicking when something's not exactly right and realizing that you have to speak quickly and make a decision <laughs> and just yeah. live with it because yeah. the almost the worst thing you can do is to make no decision. Um, there's probably a right decision, a less right decision, a wrong decision, and no decision, and that's the order you would make them in. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> if you had your best guess, because no decision is worse than the wrong decision, mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, like an empty stage is the worst thing.
1: And we had women that spoke, you know, they were, every year it seemed like a different country, so we'd have multiple languages and very young women, and they would do some things you would think no reasonable person would do, and— you know, go out, go out to the end of the runway and not come back. I mean, they would just stay there. And, and I had to send somebody out to retrieve somebody one time. I said, go look. I picked the smart girl out there. I and I said, just look casual. Walk down there and, and grab get her, by her the to come arm. back with you.
0: <laughs> and, and walk back <laughs> arm in arm together, like, like it was all planned.
1: Yeah, yeah. But that kind of stuff, you kind of go, how did you ever think that that was right? <laughs> it's just amazing what people will do. But young panic, all this good thing. I had a girl fall off the runway once because she had too much to drink and – you know, it's it's always interesting. So, um, do you have a favorite New York experience?
0: Um, hmm. I mean, uh, maybe outside out, of theater, uh, like outside of the theater. New York is such an amazing city, uh, and it's full of, I mean, you know, yeah. fashion and Broadway and restaurants and famous people riding the subway next to yeah. you, and, and and people who p- have more talent than you can possibly imagine busking. For yeah, know, change on the side of the road or in the subway. Um, do you do you have a favorite sort of New York?
1: I don't know if I have a favorite. It was, I don't know. There's a lot of uh, New York. Always said for better or worse, there's always something going on. And for an ADD person like me, that's really great. But um, yeah, you just constantly you're constantly stimulated. Yeah, stimulated. I was like walking. Well, no, I was walking home one time. There's police officers standing out the subway, just laughing herself silly. I said, what's so funny? She goes, oh, this guy, he just tried to mug an undercover police officer. I just love it when that happens. So that was good. (laughs) But I did a Fourth of July down at the Battery, and somebody, I guess a corporation had gotten this giant, like, room-sized ball, and the avenue was just packed with people, and they were bouncing the ball from person to person down this mass of people, and it was fun and stuff like that. I'm trying to think what else. I was in the park with my husband once, and we were walking the dogs, and I was in a bad mood and didn't feel good, and... This lady stopped us, and she was going on and on about Golden Retrievers. I'm like, yeah, yeah, not looking up. And we walked away, and Jack said, Karen, did you know who that was? And I was like, no, He because Mary Tyler Moore. I was like, oh. <laughs> who I later worked with you know, in a little musical, so there you go. But, um, yeah, so just, yeah, those kind of things um, happened one night. We were walking home from the theater, and Jack said, shoved all of us into the door once down, and there was an undercover police guy at one end of the corner pointing at somebody else at the other end of the street and we were directly in his line of fire so yeah we weren't sure whether yeah you, you should get out of the way but you thought it's probably the right probably choice. the best yeah not to be in the middle of a shooting match and you know we'd go watch the macy's day parades get blown up and cool stuff yeah and you know lincoln center have these outdoor performances in the evening beautiful since beautiful music outside with these gorgeous buildings around you and yeah. And dancers are everywhere. You can tell them the little little hair does and the little turned out feet and yeah, it's it's interesting. So now
0: you're uh the assistant director of the Coker Center for the Arts right here in Columbia. Yes. Um, how does that fall into your list of like best jobs ever?
1: Really? Actually really good. Um <laughs> You're laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say exactly what I thought it would be. Uh. But <laughs> But, you know, the first day I got there, I think, I don't remember what was going on. It might even have been a children's show, but we had the, you can turn the sound on in our rooms and hear what's going on in the auditorium. And, it, and that's what you do backstage in theater. You always you know what's going on, on the stage, so you won't miss a cue or something like that. And, you know, I heard that sound again, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm back. <laughs> yes. It, it's sort of unique. Yeah. You hear somebody get
0: on and say, this is your five-minute call. Yeah. And did you, like, jump and think? Am I supposed to be someplace? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, they're not talking to me this time.
1: (laughs) It's like, oh, this is so cool. Yeah, because I've been away for it a long time. And, you know, I did love that part of my life. It was great. But um, when it was working, it was great. When it wasn't, it was terrible. But, um, yeah, so being back in that environment again, you know, walking on the cover stage is amazing and impressive. And getting to see that kind of thing again and being around people that do have that passion for what they do, it's it's a great, comfortable environment to be in. I love it. So, yeah. So it's, a, it's good.
0: Fantastic. Well, we love having you there. Uh, I'm going to wrap it up unless you have anything that you feel like I should have asked.
1: No, I think you did a great job, as usual.
0: Thank you for being our guest this week on the Cougar Center for the Arts, uh, Arts Roundup uh, right here on WUSC-FM and HD1 Columbia. Uh, Karen McGrady has been the du- assistant director for almost a year. Almost right? February, so like, yeah. February will be a year, so we're yeah. in. This is like month twelve, I guess. We're just yeah. about to start. Tw- yeah, th- February 11th is my yeah.
1: anniversary date. So yeah, getting um, there.
0: And uh, think of all the great things we've done in the past year. Yeah, it's because been you've been there fun. to help us make it happen.
1: Well, I don't know how much I had a part in, it, but it's been an interesting year, a fun it's, year. So it's been a fun year.
0: The Coger Center Arts Roundup is produced in part by Garnet Media Group, the student media partnership at the University of South Carolina. Information about tickets and upcoming events can be found at CogerCenterForTheArts.com, the official website for Coger Center tickets. For more information about Garnet Media Group, visit GarnetMedia.org.